At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World Podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I speak with Canadian photographer Rebecca Sane. Rebecca takes very beautiful and whimsical photographs of families, children, and people in general. She has a very dreamy portfolio that I'm sure you will love looking at. We talk about her beginnings as a family photographer, how to develop your own unique style, and much more. Please enjoy. We have an amazing community at photographycourse.net where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, join photography contests, and much more. In our community, you'll also find a 52-week project that will provide you with weekly educational videos and challenges to help you improve your skills on a regular basis. This is an amazing opportunity for you to not only enhance your skills, but also grow your network and have a wholesome experience as a photographer. We're so inspired by the amazing photographs that our members post every day. When you join our community, you'll be able to make new friends and share your progress with a passionate group of people. None of this would be possible without our members' support, so we're very grateful. In order to keep things running, we're offering exclusive membership plans that will give you access to every part of our community and our premium courses. Use the discount code GREATBIGPHOTOGRAPHYWORLD to get 50% off your first year as a member. Go to photographycourse.net slash join and use the code GREATBIGPHOTOGRAPHYWORLD without any spaces to claim your discount. Hi, Rebecca. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I'm Rebecca Sane. I'm a family photographer based in Vancouver, Canada, and I've been photographing families for about 15 years. I'm also a mom of four, so I'm busy. Um, so the photography for me has to be streamlined and it's for the most part part-time. So I shoot for a lot for part of the year and then take much of the year off as well. That's a really nice introduction. We're going to dive into a lot of fun topics, and I 
really look forward to finding out more about you and your work. And before we start, I want to say that it's really interesting that you balance your life in such a good way, I think. It sounds really good to me, very peaceful as well, because four children, I'm sure it's a lot of work. And then you're also a photographer and you have your own business. So I'm sure it wasn't easy to get to a point where you could juggle everything in a more or less harmonious way. <laughs> more or less harmonious is a good way of putting it. Yeah, I think that's always been important to me that the start of doing this work was so that it would be a part of our lives because we knew that we wanted children. And so it's always been kind of a balancing of of making it fit with within our lives and not having it take over. Yeah, no, it's amazing. It's difficult to prioritize things, whether you have children or not. And so once you get to a point where you know what your priorities are and you streamline your shoots, then I think life gets much easier. Well, hopefully it does. I think having kids forces that kind of one benefit of life getting busier and busier. It makes you kind of look at what can be cut out and maybe what should be cut out of, of your business. So it sort of forces you to make those decisions. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm curious to know, how did you get into family photography in the first place? Um, well, I started off shooting mostly weddings and decided pretty quickly that I didn't want to do that forever. And I'd always loved working with children. You know, for a long time, I thought maybe I'd be a teacher. And so I think transitioning from the wedding photography to photographing families was a natural choice for me. And it took a few years to kind of fully make the transition from shooting weddings to families. So I was still shooting weddings for a few years while I was sort of switching over, but yeah, it was just sort of a decision based on what I, what I love to shoot the most, you know, which I think is important. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, also you used to shoot weddings. So that's why you have such a really, I can explain a very romantic feeling in your family photographs. I think maybe your wedding <laughs> photography has an influence or had an influence on that. No, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I did like shooting the wedding. I, I think the style of the way I shoot was probably there no matter what I'm shooting, just because it's sort of a personal style for me. But yeah, weddings, I, I liked shooting the portraits. It's just, it's so high pressure and high stress. And, you know, you're booked out at least a year in advance. Um, and there were just so many reasons that I, I found family photographer just so much easier to run as a business on top of, on top of loving it more as well. I think it's very exciting that portrait photographers have so many options, right? There are so many subgenres in the world of portrait photography. You can take photos mm -hmm. of weddings and couples and families and just individuals. So it's a whole world of possibilities. So I think that makes it exciting for anyone who wants to find a very specific kind of photography that works for them. Mm -hmm. I, I think from a, a marketing standpoint, it's so important to find a specific niche within it as well. So if you can find, you know, the one thing that you really love to shoot and the way you love to shoot it, then uh, I think that's key. Absolutely. And when it comes to taking photographs of families, what camera equipment do you use? I shoot on a 5D Mark IV Canon and I use a 50 millimeter 1.2 pretty much exclusively. The 1.2 is magical. Isn't it? I also have it. Yeah, I love it. It's the best. <laughs> I love honestly. it. It's amazing. <laughs> I think it's great. It's like it's wide enough that you can kind of get scenic shots if you if you move your feet, but then it's it's still pretty good for close up without you know the distortion of a 35. I've tried an 85 over the years, and I just I don't know. 
it's probably just because I was so used to the 50, but I found it was a little bit too long for me, even though I know it's more, more flattering for close-ups. But the 50 just kind of seems to do it all. And when photographing children, like they're just, it's so fast and you don't want to miss anything. And I find just keeping it simple has always worked the best for me. Yeah. And it's great that you've found equipment that works for you. Keeping it minimal mm-hmm. makes mm-hmm. It basically means that you won't be stressed during your shoots. I've talked about this with many photographers. Some of them like to have a lot of equipment, but others, they prefer to keep it minimal because they don't need to go through the whole analysis paralysis thing where they're not sure which lens is perfect for the moment. They just have that one lens and it's good enough. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of removes the, the, the thinking from some of it, which I think even if you, if you used a lot of gear over the years, you would get to a point where you just, you just know, right? Like you're switching it for certain shots and you don't, you don't run into that issue, but certainly at least for, um, photographers who are newer or starting out, I think there's always this feeling of you've got to have all these lenses and this perfect camera when it's just really not true. You know, you just keep it simple and and what you have is fine, especially if you're shooting families like I do and it's in natural light outdoors. You know, I'm not shooting at night. I don't need special flash or anything anymore. So keeping it simple is nice. Yeah, it sounds very nice indeed. And you can just focus on your subjects and the whole process, I think, of photographing them is not stressful, but challenging enough, as you said. The Exactly. There's already so many things to think about that yeah, removing the, the gear aspect is, is nice. <laughs> exactly. And when it comes to photographing children, even adults, how do you guide them throughout your shoots so that they're, they're best in front of your camera? I think the biggest thing that I do with families is a lot of movement. I think most people feel the most comfortable in front of a camera when they're moving, you know, cause then they're not thinking when they're standing still like, Oh, is my arm in the perfect spot? Or what am I doing with my face? You know, they're, they're walking with their kids or they're lifting their kids into the air, things like that. So I always, you know, we'll do ones where they're standing still or, or sitting still, but only for a second, just to kind of get a quick looking at camera shot. And then beyond that, I, I almost always have them moving in some way, or at least moving in between shots where they're, where they're still. So we might do one that's a little bit still and then interact within that shot and then do something that's moving to kind of keep the kids interested and uh, comfortable. That sounds really interesting because Usually, yeah, when I think about family photographs, I usually think of photos in which all the models are still. And that's always a challenge because in every shot, you have to make sure that they're not blinking. And if it's more people, it's more difficult to achieve that. Mm -hmm. But if they are moving around, then they will naturally fall into some kind of rhythm where you'll be able Mm -hmm. to photograph them in a a flattering way. So it seems like a, a great approach. And hopefully, maybe some of the listeners will use that in their own shoots if they take photos of families to incorporate more movement essentially. Yeah, I think with with kids it's key. They just won't stay still for that long. And I think people really are drawn to photos where they look natural as well. So if you have them just, you know, interacting and and moving together, then it kind of lends to that candid feel. It doesn't have to actually be totally candid. You know, you don't just sit there and wait for them to decide what they're going to do. I always give them something to do, but then, you know, it's more of a natural interaction. 
Yeah, I remember when I first got into photography, I was really young and I was still in school. And I had a few mm -hmm. friends uh, who were older than me at school and they were into photography as well, sort of like a camera club. And I remember mm -hmm. speaking with one of the guys and he said that he preferred natural looking shots in which he wasn't even aware that the camera was there or that in which he didn't seem like he was aware at least. And I remember being really surprised by that because as a beginner in photography, I thought he had to always be aware of the camera if he wanted to take good photos, you know, of himself or just in general as a photographer, if you want to take good photos, your models should be looking straight at the camera, looking flattering. And so <laughs> his comments really opened my eyes and made me realize that candid photography or photos that look candid can sometimes be even more appealing than posed shots. Yeah, I think so. I almost all of my families, when I chat with them before their session, they say that that's what was, that that's what drew them to my work was that it looks candid and natural and that's what they want. You know, like every family still wants that photo of all of them looking at the camera, but you know, that takes a couple of minutes in the span of a session. And then the rest of the time, it's just interacting with their kids, which makes it feel natural. And so that they forget about the camera a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a good experience mm -hmm. for them as well. I can imagine as a model, as a client, if you're always standing in front of the camera, smiling or fake smiling, it's really yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. You mentioned earlier that when you were into wedding photography, you had your own unique style. And now as a family photographer, you have a very distinct style and it's very natural. I think photographers often worry about developing a style and we talk about this often on the podcast and I'm always curious to know about every photographer's perspective on that. What advice would you give to beginners or even advanced photographers who want to develop their style? Well, number one, that it is so, so important to have your own style and to have it be cohesive and, and almost, you know, almost recognizable because it sets your work apart, which is key for having having people find you who kind of connect with that look as well. So number one, that yes, I think it's so important to find your style. And then on the process of finding it, I think you've got to shoot what you like. So I don't think there's any sense in looking at the market and deciding, oh, you know, all these photographers shoot in this way. So this must be the way I should shoot and, you know, and then trying to match it. I think you've got to shoot what you like and edit in a, in a way that, that you like and finding that it's, it's tricky. It took me a few years to sort of get into a groove of the way that I liked to shoot. I think one thing you could think about is it's not all about the edit afterwards. It's a lot about what you're shooting. So what are, if you're shooting families, what are, what are those people wearing is huge and where are you shooting? What's in the background and how does it all work together? Cause I think for me, that's a huge part of the way my photos look. It's not just that, you know, I can shoot anything in any light and then I take it into Lightroom and put my specific edit on it. And it looks a certain way. Like it starts when you're planning the, the shoot itself. So if you're not happy with your current portfolio or, or what your style is looking like, I would say plan portfolio shoots. Find a, a family that, that 
fits your vision that you'd be excited to shoot, make sure they're, they're wearing what you in an ideal world would want them to wear and then go out and, and have fun and see, see what happens, see what your work looks like when you're excited about what you're shooting, what the edit looks like, um, and then do it again. And eventually it'll all start to be aligned with your vision. I think. Does that make sense? Definitely makes sense. And it's great advice. I completely agree with you. Editing is of course very important, but what you do before editing is equally important. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned wardrobe, what your models wear. That's also important. When you work with your clients, do you usually give them a guideline or do they just wear what they want? I give them a guideline. So when my clients book, I send them a planning guide. So it has a couple pages on there of tips on on how to how to plan wardrobe but at the end of the day they wear you know it's not like i have a, a client wardrobe or anything that they pull clothes from so they wear their own clothes and i think that at this point the the work that's shown on my website everyone's kind of wearing a, a certain style you know it's not all exactly the same but it's sort of within a range of of a style that the families that book me now are coming to me because they like what the families in my portfolio already are wearing. So they, they're going to pick something themselves that kind of lines up with that, with that look, if that makes sense. That's really cool. And it's great that you give them guidelines, but you also allow for that flexibility. And the clients that do come to you, they already know and have an idea of the kind of style that you like in your own work. So I think it all works out really well. I remember when I started doing portrait shoots, I just worked with what my models wanted to work with. They weren't professional shoots, of course. They were just test shoes, just fun stuff. Mm -hmm. I remember struggling a little bit with certain outfits and wondering how they could fit in with certain backgrounds. Sometimes the colors clash. Yeah. So yeah, it's <laughs> definitely something to consider before a shoot. Yeah. The other thing with that is that I don't show all of the work that I shoot. I'm very careful about what I will share online of my work and to make sure that it lines up within the style that I show. And so I think that's helpful too. You know, so sometimes I will get families who, who book me and they like the style of the work, but then they come wearing something that isn't totally in line with my brand. And then I wouldn't share that family online because it, just because it's so important for my brand to keep a specific style of a specific family in mind, if that, yeah. So, you know, you won't really see anyone wearing jeans in a, t-shirt with a logo on it on my website ever. <laughs> yeah, that's really smart because you don't reject those clients. You still get to work with them, but okay. you also make sure that the marketing side of things is cohesive and that everything yeah. is good on your website. And speaking yeah, of clients, uh, I remember seeing a post on your Instagram that said that you don't usually find or get clients through Instagram. So how do you usually get them? Do they visit your website? Are there any other platforms that you use? It's mostly through my website. So at this point, I mean, most of my clients are return clients. And then I have referrals as well that come in. Instagram, a few here and there. I'll get messages maybe a little bit more now than there used to be. But the number one is through the website. So I rank fairly high on Google now for my main location, which is Vancouver. So Vancouver family photographer and I'll come up. And then I'm also on two of the other high pages that come up. So 
they're often for big locations like Vancouver's fairly large. They'll have there'll be companies that kind of have a posting about top 10 photographers in Vancouver or whatnot. And so I'll just make sure that I'm always on those lists, which means that if someone's looking for a family photographer in Vancouver, they're going to come across me, whether it's through my website, which is ranked high, or whether they end up on one of these ranking lists of photographers and I'll be on there. So I'm not looking for clients who aren't looking for family photos. You know, some people will do Facebook ads and whatnot to attract people. I just make sure that anyone who's looking for a family photographer in Vancouver will find me at some point and then, you know, decides if I'm the right fit or not. Yeah, that's really clever with the lists, the top 10 photographers in Vancouver, for example. And that's one of your marketing strategies. And Our online photography community is a place where you can grow your skills and learn something new every single day. If you want to join conversations like this one and connect with like-minded photographers from across the world, you're in the perfect place. We have a special discount code for our podcast listeners. We're offering 50% off your first year as an extraordinary or limitless member. Go to photographycourse.net slash join to claim your discount with the code Great Big Photography World. We've been talking a lot about SEO on the podcast lately. I think it's becoming more and more important and ranking uh, on the first page of Google or Bing or any other platform. Mm-hmm. It's very important as well if you want to find clients locally and even internationally. Mm-hmm. So when you were working on your website, did you work with an agency or were you able to figure everything out on your own? A little bit of both. I had a designer design my website and and work with a developer to to get it live. She didn't do a lot on the SEO front, but you know I've done a bit myself when I blog. I'll um, you know tag all the images and and all that. And I think over the years I've had my website linked to from enough other websites that it has pushed its, um, oh, what's it called? It's like the Google, not Google ranking, but it, it means that my website ranks quite high because it knows that a lot of other websites have linked to it. So it tells Google that, that yes, she's legit basically. So even when I'm on those other um, ranking sites for like the top 10 photographers in Vancouver, then that helps push my own website high. And then I had, what's his company name? His name is Alex Vita. And so I had him... Alex was on the podcast, actually. Oh, okay. He's great. Yeah. So yeah, foreground web, Alex. My website was a little bit slow for a while because it's quite graphic heavy. So I hired Alex to kind of do kind of a a full look through the website. um, And he sped it up for me. But then it also was kind of like a whole health check of the website, I guess, basically. And so he, he fixed a few things for me. I don't know exactly what they were, but like, he's so smart. <laughs> I don't know what he did, but, but it was great. And then I think he gave me kind of a list of things to do as well on my end. And I think he also gave me tips on like what to do when I was blogging. So yeah, things like that. So every once a year, I, I'll go through the different pages on my website that I want to be ranking for certain things and make sure that they're ranked high enough. And if they're not, then I will do a few more blog posts to, to link to those specific pages to kind of bump them up a bit, or I'll look for a different website that I can have myself linked to if possible, even if I need to pay for it, that's fine because, you know, it's my number one way of clients finding me. So ranking high on Google is, is number one for me. 
Absolutely. Thank you very much for sharing that. It's cool that Alex is already on the podcast and <laughs> you know him. Yeah, he's great. He's really great. If anybody needs help with their website, I highly recommend. He was awesome. Yeah, it's great that you had a wonderful experience with him. And it's definitely a good idea to work with an expert because I guess it's impossible to know it all unless you are an IT specialist, which most photographers Absolutely. aren't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have to focus on the photography side of things. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, it's a good idea to work with somebody who knows a lot and can give you some tips and maybe even fix some issues for you. As you said, general health checkup for your website. That's uh, always a good idea if you feel like you're missing clients or you need more attention from clients. So, yeah, thank you yeah. for sharing that. It's very interesting to know what your experience has been like. Yeah. Photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses, articles, video tutorials, editing resources, and much more. We have a thriving community where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, and discover new ideas every single day. Here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Horton. Hi, my name is Rob. I specialize in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code podcast to get 50% off your first year as a premium member. You also provide your clients with photography books, which I think is so interesting. And I imagine that they value those books very much, especially because they're physical copies and such beautiful memories that they can hold essentially in a book. Is this mm -hmm. something that you would recommend to photographers who specialize in family photography? Should more people offer photography books? Yeah, I think so. I think it's important to give your clients something that's printed, especially if you're trying to market yourself as a, a higher-end photographer or a luxury photographer. I think there needs to be some sort of physical product at the end of the day. So I have a few collections and my lowest one doesn't have a book, but I still give them like a box set of, of proofs from their whole session. So they still have them printed. And then my middle, there's three collections. So my middle collection has sort of like a mid-range album. And then my top collection has um, like a really high-end sort of matted, imprinted, the whole shebang album. But they're still simple. It's, it's not that complicated to do it. I just put one portrait on each page of the album. So there's not a whole other step of designing the spreads and then okaying it by the client and having them switch a hundred things. And I, I think that might get into a bit of a headache and maybe, maybe that's where some photographers get hung up on offering them, you know, between finding the vendor who's going to print your book and then figuring out how to do the design and working it out with the clients. It can probably feel a little bit daunting to get started sometimes. Yes, I think a lot of people can relate to that because for me as well, when I first thought about photo books, I thought, oh, that must be very complicated. That was my first thought. So you're right. Mm -hmm. We're intimidated by that. But it's definitely not as complicated as I thought it was based on what you said. If you work with a good vendor, and you don't need to take charge of design or anything. If there's a good template for your book, 
then it's more than enough, I think, for a lot of clients. I think clients aren't always as picky as we think they are. If you give them a good experience, then I don't think they will complain too much about the arrangement of certain photographs. Or am I wrong? <laughs> no, I think you're right. Yeah, I don't know. Because I've never really done full designs, except for back when I was doing weddings. And I would do you know, a, a designed wedding album with multiple pictures per page. But since doing families, I've, I think I've only ever done one portrait for, per page. And in, in that instance, that they don't really care what the order of the photos are. You know, I'll put them in an order that makes sense to me. And they're usually perfectly fine with that. So I don't even proof it with them at all. They pick their favorites and I print them in the book and deliver it. And, and that's it. That's pretty, it's a pretty simple process. I love that. And for our clients, uh, you said you have three levels. So the first level where you just offer prints, I think that's also equally interesting for the clients because as you said, having something physical, especially for higher end shoots is really important. It adds more depth, I think, to the shoots that you had and it gives you something tangible to remember. I don't know. I always enjoy physical things. If it's digital, it's really nice, of course, but if there's an additional offer with something physical, then it can really heighten the experience of, of any client. Yeah, I agree. I think it's key too that, so if you're just giving the digital files to someone and they're going to be able to print them wherever, you're not in control of what the quality of print is. And for the most part, I'm not hugely picky on, you know, a, a little change in, in printing, but, you know, some printers can be really awful. <laughs> so <laughs> I think if they've got a, I call them reference, reference proofs, the ones that I give them. So if they have those, at least they have a, a benchmark of roughly what these should look like when they're printed so that if they happen to get them printed somewhere and it comes out awfully, then at least they know that that's not, <laughs> that's not accurate. Yeah, so I like that. Too. <laughs> That's really important. That's a it's a good thing to keep in mind. And I've recently printed some photos of mine just for myself, um, and it was just a studio that's local. And I live in a small town, so I guess they didn't have a very good printer because the photos, first of all, they were dry to hold, just disgustingly dry. <laughs> that's so weird. <laughs> and the quality was just really horrible. And I started to question my own skills as a photographer. I was like, why did they turn out so bad? <laughs> right. And can you imagine if a client just printed that of, of your work and that's <laughs> just awful. Yeah. So I think, yeah, no, no matter what, no matter what you're giving them, if they have digitals in some capacity, I think it's important to also give them some kind of printed sample so that they know. <laughs> Yeah, it's important to sort of uh, take control of your reputation, make sure that no other company <laughs> ruins your reputation by yeah. using their awful <laughs> equipment. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you never know, right? Because the way I edit my work, it's all fairly low contrast and a bit light. So what if it went to a printer and the printer thought, oh, this isn't right. I'm going to make that photo look how it should. And then they upped the contrast and darkened it because they thought that was correct. And then it would just come out looking nothing like my work. So you exactly. just never know. Exactly. Yeah. With those photos that I just mentioned that were printed horribly, I tend to use more shadows in my work. And mm -hmm. the printer, I guess, decided that they were too intense. And so it lightened them. <laughs> 
And the photos ended up looking <laughs> super dull. Just, you know, no contrast whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to be careful with things like that, especially if it's cheap printers. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned that you have uh, three levels that you offer to your clients and your rates are clear on your website. I think another thing many photographers struggle with, including myself, is offering rates or, or setting rates and making it clear mm. this is what you expect especially if it's on the higher end, you might start to worry about whether you're asking for too much and people don't know how to value themselves. How long did it take you to figure out the perfect rate for your shoes? Well, I, I still change them almost every year. Not change, but kind of tinker at them or, or up them a little bit. I started charging what I want to say is a decent amount, you know, what I thought was a lot fairly early on. Um, I did some kind of pricing course that isn't around anymore because this was maybe 13 years ago and started charging. It was about, I think, $900 or so at that time on average. And that felt like a lot to me at the time. But, you know, you have to do the math and see how much you need to be making from, you know, this is your work as well. It's not just something you're doing for fun. I think what I would recommend to someone who's totally starting from scratch with what they need to be charging is, you know, if you decide how much you need or want to be making, then take that number and double it because in on average, photographers will end up profiting about half of what their overall sales are. I think is the rough are the rough numbers for that. Obviously, it's hugely varied depending on studio, not studio, etc. But on average, I'd say about half. So if you take what you'd like to make, double it, and then take that number and divide it by the amount of sessions that you can or would like to take on within the year, um, and then that will give you the number that you need to be averaging per client. You know, even if you don't book the amount of clients that you wanted to within that year, at least you know that all you've got to do now is market and get more clients because at least once you get up to the number of clients that you wanted, then you'll be making what you wanted to be making. Mm -hmm. Is that all? Does that, <laughs> does that make sense? Yes, it makes sense. And it's clear that you have a lot of experience there and that you're confident in what you do. So I appreciate the input. And I think the hardest part is to set the rates and to put them on your website and to be okay with asking for a certain amount of money. And then once you get through the first right. few shoots, I think it'll get easier when you realize, oh, people are willing to pay me this much. Yeah. Yeah. At the beginning, it's kind of a surprise and you're sort of, oh my gosh, this is, this is working and you're delighted. And then over time it it becomes normal and, you know, you get more comfortable with what you're charging. But I think starting from that point of knowing your numbers, knowing what your costs are and knowing what you need to be making to make a normal salary, just like anybody else is the thing that's the most helpful to start and to be confident in what you're charging because you're not just charging it for fun. You're charging it because that's the amount of money that you, that you need to be making to, to survive. Exactly. Yeah. If you approach it from that perspective, then I think it'll be easier to overcome that feeling, like gnawing yeah. feeling. <laughs> you know, <asking. laughs> it sounds like a lot of money sometimes when it's, you know, oh, it's just for one photo shoot, but there's a lot of work behind it. And there's only so many shoots you can take within the year. And 
yeah, you just have to make sure to value your time. Exactly. Yeah. You have to value your time as much as you value anyone else's, as much as you value your clients. You're equal. Essentially, You're giving them your services and you're investing a lot of time and creativity into your shoots and that's worth a lot of money. Yes, absolutely. You are also an accredited international member of the National Association of Professional Child Photographers. <laughs> <laughs> That's a mouthful, but it's a very yeah, I know. <laughs> sounds prestigious. Um, but if uh, if a child does, <laughs> if a child photographer is interested in acquiring this title, what should they do? That one, I actually just joined it this year. I did it because from what I was talking about earlier and checking the SEO and the my ranking on Google. So I'd noticed that my website had fallen a couple places for Vancouver Family Photographer this year. And so that was the step I took this year to make sure that my website got bumped back up to the top. So that one is the national... Yeah, it's an American association and you do have to send in pictures and then be approved to be a part of it, which I did. But essentially, I did it because it looks good to be able to write that on your website and also for the link back. So now I'm linked on their site, which uh, reaffirms me in Google's eyes as a website to be shown. Yes, that makes sense. You don't need to be a part of any of these things if it's not going to give you value. Like I had looked at it before and I hadn't done it for so many years because you have to pay to be a part of these things as well, right? And so, you know, why would you just be paying to be a part of it when it doesn't give you anything back in return? Like I didn't need that title to make myself feel legitimate or anything. So I just did it this year because it it worked with what I what I needed from the Google standpoint, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Google is very greedy, isn't it? Yeah, it needs it needs link backs and it needs to... I mean, it, it all makes sense, right? You know, now I'm on there and being on there with all these other photographers, then it legitimizes me to Google, which all makes sense. Like I understand the, the Google process, but yeah. But anyway, that's why that's why I'm part of that is for that reason, basically. And the application process, it was pretty easy. I mean, you have to send in your work. I don't know if they would refuse anyone, to be honest. We'd have to we'd have to see if they have. They might get mad at me for saying this. I don't know. But no, I think it's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think it's great that you decided to join. And again, it was a very wise move on your part as you said you needed a little bit more traffic and first you have this title that you can show and it is definitely prestigious when I saw it I thought oh this is a big deal and it is a big deal right (laughs) also you get that link back as you said yeah for both reasons It, it looks good and then also the link back yeah and you probably get to maybe interact with photographers in that association who do things that you do as in child photography yeah, I think a little bit. I've just joined, so I don't. I haven't been a part of it for very long. But they do have um, a Facebook page, and I think they might have a podcast or something as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's an American association, so I'm in Canada. There's not there's not as many photographers that are part of that up here where I am. So I don't know if I would get a lot out of they do meetups and things like that in the states. Yeah, and that was another reason I didn't join it for very long is because I'm not American. So <laughs> why do I need to be a part of a an American association? But they do have kind of chapters, I think, all over the world as well. 
yeah, it, it makes it look a little bit more international. So that, yeah. that works out. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. And I think also there's so many associations out there, both international and local. And so if any of the listeners are interested in joining something like that, it, it can be a good idea, not just for the title, but also for the opportunity to meet new people. Um, I think especially if it's international and especially if you're a beginner with a portfolio, then you can also start to grow your network and find people with whom you can collaborate potentially. I'm not sure, but I think there are lots of possibilities in that area if if that's something anyone is looking for. Yeah, I think so too. Just when you're deciding which one to join, you just have to decide why why you're joining it and then find the best one that aligns with that, with your reason. Yeah, yeah, it's great. This isn't related to what we were just talking about and it's not really related to your work, but if you could hire any family photographer to photograph your family, who would you hire and why? That one's really tricky because I think my first instinct would be, oh, you know, the most famous photographers in the world. That would be so much fun. But I don't think so. I think I'd want to hire someone who does work like I do. So I, I follow, um, there's a couple of photographers in the States that I love their family work. One is uh, Brooke Schultz. Her work's not like mine. It's like shoots on film and it's just more kind of colorful and it's very emotive and she gets, you know, a lot of sort of close-ups and interaction. And I think that's really cool. And then another one is Alexandria Smith. Her business is called Love Daphne May. And she shoots really beautifully, a little bit more in aligned with with my personal style. So I think she would be cool as well. Probably will never happen. So we don't really travel to the States very much, but I like I like their work. I always thought it would be cool if um if if I could photograph my own family, that's what I would want. I photograph in a certain way because that's what I love. So anytime I'm looking for a photographer, I'm kind of looking for someone who who shoots like I do because I would want someone to photograph my family the way I love to photograph other people's families. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I totally know. Imagine if you could, I guess you can take self-portraits, but that's difficult because when you're shooting handheld and you can move around with your subjects, it's a different thing. Yeah, it's not the same at all. No. Not the same. Yeah. Well, wouldn't it be cool to photograph yourself using your own (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I've always thought that would be, that would be really neat. Obviously it could never happen, but I can photograph my kids. And so that's fun. But to photograph uh, our family as a whole, that would be, that would be pretty cool. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But I think you take lots of beautiful photographs of your own family as well, right? I know that you are a busy photographer, but I think as someone who has so many children and has her own family, it's it's also nice, I think, to take photos of your own family. Yeah, I, I do try every now and again, not as much as I would like, but I do make sure to, um, we we take family photos with all hire or or trade sessions with another photographer every summer. So I have our family photographed every year. So that kind of takes away some of the, some of the guilt if I don't get around to photographing my kids as much as I would like. I did a lot more when my eldest two were little and we only had one and then two. And now that we've got four, life is busy. So I I do when I can, but not as much as I would like. Yeah, no, I can totally understand that. And I already, I'm so impressed by how much you've achieved you are a family photographer, you have this portfolio, you take care of the SEO side of things, you have four children. Oh my goodness, <laughs> it's amazing. 
<laughs> it is busy. It does get busy from time to time, but mostly just in the summer because I shoot through um, like the five sort of nicest weather months of the year here in Canada. So when I'm in my shooting season, it gets busy, but uh, the rest of the year is busy. Yes, but but it it all um, it works out. <laughs> yeah, that's good to know. Um, I have one question, one more question for you, Rebecca, and that is, what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world? Oh, you know, I was, you sent me that question and I was thinking about it and I don't really know that there's a whole lot. I think my one goal for myself would honestly be to do with what we just talked about is photographing my own children more. You know, like there's... I feel like I've achieved a lot of the benchmarks in my business that I, you know, maybe never even thought that I would, that I would get to. So as far as work goes, I'm really happy. And so my next steps are just trying to photograph my kids more. I've been playing around with film a little bit, which is fun. So I don't know. Yeah. Getting to a point where I feel like I have more of a portfolio of my own children, I think would be my, my um, top priority. That's a nice twist to the answer. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it, sounds, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we have clients and it is always nice to photograph them, of course. But then when it's your own family, of course, I understand the guilt. And having that yearning to take photos of your children, your husband, with your own style, it's uh, it's a completely different yeah. thing. Yeah, so. Yeah. I want to thank you for sharing so many things with me in this interview. I learned a lot about family photography and I hope that you have more and more opportunities to photograph your family from now on. And I wish you the very best with your photography journey. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode with Rebecca. I hope you enjoyed it. I really enjoyed speaking with her. I learned a lot about family photography thanks to her and what I found the most interesting was that she's very mindful of her model's clothing choices and she has guidelines for them. I think that's super interesting and it's not something that I've really paid attention to before. So I hope you learned a lot of new things and if you want to join the conversation and ask Rebecca some questions, make sure to join our online photography community. There's a link to it in the description. Thank you once again for listening and I will see you next week. Our photography community wouldn't be what it is without its amazing members. We're working on many exciting projects and have lots of great perks waiting to be discovered by you. For a small monthly fee, you'll receive all kinds of perks. If you join as an extraordinary member, you'll get an ad-free experience, access to every subforum, access to our 52-week project, the ability to connect with all of our members, and more. As a Limitless member, you'll get all of the perks that I just mentioned and access to all of our premium courses and Lightroom presets. This is the perfect opportunity for anybody who wants to elevate their skills without paying thousands of dollars for courses. We're sure that you'll love being a part of our community if you're a fan of this podcast. In addition to meeting new people, you'll learn something new about photography every day which will help you improve quickly. It's also much more fun to take photographs when you have a group of amazing photographers supporting you. Go to photographycourse.net to find out more and to get 50% off your first year as a member. We can't wait to see you in our community. And again, just as a reminder, go to photographycourse.net slash join to claim your discount with the code GREATBIGPHOTOGRAPHYWORLD. We can't wait to see you there. 
There's a simple reason why PhotographyCourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to PhotographyCourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.